welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Without further ado, I'm going to uh, invite Virginia B. I, I, uh, when I first started this program, uh, I, Monday night was my home group for about three months. And Monday night's a long way from my house. But I tell you what, I had some cool people there. And Virginia nice. was one of them. <laughs> Thanks, Virginia. Anyways, we thought of taking the actions of love, which is our theme, and part of how we take the actions of love in Essanon and really in any 12-step recovery program is to use the tools of the program. So the tools of the program, the tools of the program to me are all in a big toolbox. And either I can wear a tool belt with the tools in it or I can carry a big toolbox. And to me, that toolbox represents my higher power. All the tools work. My higher power uses all the tools and my higher power is the foundation and where all the, all the ways, all the actions, everything about the program is dependent on a power greater than myself. Um, the tools are aimed at helping us grow spiritually and guided by the higher power. And I had, when I first came into the program, I had a lot of misconceptions about the 12 steps. And of course, one of them was that it was a self-help program because I really knew nothing about it. And so my first sponsor told me that the 12 step, the 12 step program is a God help program. It's not a self-help program. So as I've worked the program and used the tools, I have come to, to know that it really is God working in me through the tools of the program. Um, you know, if I'm in, in to keep the toolbox theme going, I'll pick up a tool, use it, put it back. I use different tools for different jobs. So in the same way in my life, at different times, I have to use different tools, and I can, some of them sit for a while, and I don't use them. Others, I use a lot. And the gift is that, like we say in our readings, I work my own program in my own time, in my own way. So one thing about the tools is that different people can use them different ways, the same tool. And that enables each person to you to work actively their own program. So we're going to start. Um, I don't. Know. I don't think there's a method to why she picked what she did, but um, the meetings are down there. Um, meetings are a vital part of working the Essanon program, and often a person's first exposure to our program. Meetings are a place to identify and confirm common problems and to begin to understand that we are not alone. We get to hear from other people and we get to share ourselves about our own experience, 
kind of the good, the bad, the ugly, what's really going on, my life as it really is. Um, we get to share about our strengths, and the strength is what keeps keeps us going, like a tool we use, um, connecting with our higher power, something we've read in the literature, and then our then also we get to share our hope, um, which is the positive viewpoint, any gifts of recovery, and sometimes my only hope is just surrendering. I don't have any answers, I'm not an expert, and sometimes my only hope is that I believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. So anywhere I am in sharing my experience, strength, and hope, I can share and I can listen. You know, the thing about a meeting is that um, every person that walks in the door walks in at a different place. I came to meeting. I came to a meeting because it was suggested to me that I come because of another person's problem. <clears throat> so, for me, when I walked into the meeting, big risk. I was really scared, and I just didn't understand a lot of the language or anything. So, for me, I had to sit and listen for a while. I definitely needed to come to six meetings to to see if SNL was for me. <laughs> Because I could barely hear anything, you know, for three meetings. And then it took me a lot longer to where I would start to share. And what I think about myself is that I, oops, darn it. What I know about myself is that I was not really aware of how much I hurt and how much I was impacted by the effects of sexaholism. So I think for me, that's why I couldn't really say that much because I didn't really know that I had what I was sharing, what I could share. But I listened. I am a good listener. That's on my fourth step inventory. Um, ha, ha, ha. Um, but... I had to listen to other people share, and I was committed to coming to meetings because I needed meetings. I knew at meetings I was hearing things there that I wasn't hearing anyplace else. Um, so meetings are really, really important. Um, the other thing about meetings is that there are guidelines to making a meeting safe. And so I came in thinking about everybody else and, you know, controlling other people and all that. And so in a meeting, I was invited to be a fellow traveler and not a fixer. But I'm telling you, that was a slow learn for me. And I did not understand how to sit in my own space and share about myself and not, A, the sexaholic in my life, that when people were sharing just to be a listener and not thinking about how someone's life might be better if they tried blank, blank, and blank, even if it was a recovery tool. I had to learn in a meeting how to sit in my own space. And at first when we went to meet, when I came to meetings and there was silence, it drove me crazy because I didn't know what to do with that. And so another gift of being in a meeting is that I have learned to be comfortable in my own skin and even in the silence. And the meeting space has become 
a sacred place for me because I can say what I want to say and not be judged. And the, the, that room was really the first place that I could be honest and open about sexaholism and its effect in my life and feel safe and, and come out of that isolation. So meetings are, for me and for many people, are a big part of recovery. Um, a great thing about Essanon is that there are phone meetings. And so if people can't get to a local meeting, uh, anyone can call the World Service Office and leave a message and with your email, and you'll be sent an email about how to access a phone meeting, which is a real lifeline for people um, who don't live close to a meeting. Um, okay, the next tool, phone calls. I'm going to read. I'm going to read uh, something from the Green Book because it, uh, on phone calls. Between meetings, we make telephone calls to members of SNN when we need to reach out for help or just need to hear someone's recovery point of view. Many of us hesitated to call another member on the telephone, and this was me, because we felt we were a burden. But reaching out benefits both the caller and the person who receives the call. If someone is unable to talk at the time we call, we can arrange another time to talk or make another call. We learn how to set limits in Essanon, and we learn how to respect the limits of others. This is growth for us. Okay, I don't know if anyone else feels like the 500-pound phone, you know, just can't pick it up. Um, and that is a reflection of what's going on in me. Um, I was hesitant to pick up the phone because I didn't want to bother someone. So it's interesting because I admitted that to my program friend when I first came in the program. And so she literally had to tell me how to make a phone call in Essanon. And I'm not exaggerating. So she told me, look, in Essanon we're learning how to be adults. And so this is a way that you can practice adult behavior. And so what you do is you call someone, and if they answer the phone, you say, Hi, I'm Virginia. I need to make a program call. Do you have a few minutes? And that program friend told me, and what you're going to do is you're going to trust that that other person will be honest. And if the other person has a little time to talk, she'll say, Hey, I have, I have a little bit of time to talk, or whatever. I had to move into the space of being direct, asking for what I needed, and trust that the other person was too. So even when I receive phone calls, I'm honest with the person who's calling me. You know, if I got five minutes, I say cut to the chase. You know, just tell me what's going on with inside of you. And so phone calling is a big way, a big tool that people in Essanon work a program to reach out, especially between in between meetings. The, the thing I know now about uh, my struggle with making a phone call is that I did not know how to ask for help. And for me, uh, a result of learning how to make a phone call was me admitting I needed help or that I felt alone or that I was scared or that I was going crazy inside. So just that opportunity for me to get honest is a huge gift of the t 
tool of making a phone call. Okay, another tool in the box is sorry, uh, is self care. Um, okay, practicing self care is familiar to some people. It's not familiar to other people, and it is for me. Self care is paying attention to what I need to stay present. Um, it can be anything from just, take, you know, having a little bit of time to be alone, to breathe, to do anything in a, in a little bit of a quiet space. It can be anything having to do with caring for my own body and my well-being. It can be exercising and any kind of, you know, getting my nails done or a massage or it can be walking the dog, getting out in nature, anything like that. Um, self-care can be, for me, learning to have a yes that's honest and a no that's honest because I'm paying attention to myself. And I think for me, self-care is trying to integrate my inside and my outside so that they match. And self-care helps me get to know myself. Uh, self-care helps me to tell others who I am if it if I like one thing for self-care sometimes I do I say I have to watch some funny little video because sometimes I just need to laugh I'm sometimes way too serious and I really do like to laugh but I'm not a funny person so sometimes for self-care I have to call someone to ask somebody to tell me that funny story or whatever because I need to lighten up. And that's something I've learned about myself. Um, so, I'm sorry. Okay, so the other thing is that, um, okay, this is another thing about self-care. When I was working on my first step, my first sponsor told me that I needed to practice a lot of self-care because I was working a step that I was beginning to admit all the stuff going on in me and all the ways I was powerless. And so I would, I would like do a little work and then I'd quit because I got scared or I got felt overwhelmed or whatever. And so I'd tell her, she said, okay, what are you going to do for self care? So I would have to figure out what I was going to do for self care. And she told me that this is a common experience when people work the first step. Because there's a lot of emotions and a lot of stuff swirling around. Um, she said, too, when you get to your fourth step, the same thing's going to be true. You're doing a lot of, of work and writing and inventories, and you're going to have a lot of stuff come up. So she said, when I got to my fourth step, it was really focus on your self-care. And then she said, when you get to your eighth and ninth step, the same principle is true. You've got to work on your self-care. And for me, it's about staying present and staying connected. Um, okay, another, another tool is service work. And so Vicki mentioned all the people who have volunteered to put this on. All those things are active, acts of service. Um, it, 
service can be leading a meeting, it can be moving chairs, it can be being a treasurer or secretary for a meeting, it can be volunteering to do, uh, uh, like, it can, someone can keep the phone list updated. Okay, that is a big active service right there to keep that thing going. Um, so I like how the Green Book puts it. How a service for others going to help me? As with many spiritual tools, service work service works sub, subtly in some unexplained way. Taking action to serve others not only helps the group and Essanon as a whole, but it helps us to feel a part of the group. Service helps us to be responsible for our own recovery, to connect, and to begin making progress in recovery. And something I appreciate about service is that every we all have something to offer. Every, every person in the group has something to offer. The last tool I'm going to talk about, and then I'm going to introduce the other people who are going to come talk about other tools, is uh, carrying the message. And the Green Book, our work in the program, says, we are grateful for the Essanon members who have gone before us for willingly sharing the message of their recovery. Carrying the message of our recovery is how we give to others what has so generously been given to us. We learn that in order to keep growing and having the support we desire, we need to give it away to others. In Essanon, we receive help when we hear stories of recovery as well as when we share our own. When we begin to see the possibilities that our higher power and participation in this fellowship have to offer to us, we can begin to share them with others. As we start to practice the principles of the SNOM program, positive changes occur in our perspective and actions. At times, progress seems slow, but we learn to appreciate any progress and not demand perfection. So, we can carry the message as we start changing from the inside outside. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna call Lindsay up, and she's gonna share about sponsorship and step work. Thanks, Virginia. Virginia, could I borrow your question? Mine's on my phone, so I don't want. To. All right, it's so good to see everybody here today. Um, so I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about sponsorship. Um, sponsorship, and I'm going to read to you a little bit from, there's a pamphlet, and it's at the literature table. If you want some more information or want to be able to read it, put your hands on it. Um, it says, Sponsoring and Being Sponsored in Ethnon. So I just wanted to read a little bit of that to you and then share a little bit of my experience um, about sponsorship. So in being sponsored, um, in the very early days of AA, a newcomer, had to be sponsored before she or he could even attend an AA meeting. Today, this concept has changed a great deal. In Essanon, a sponsor is simply a person in the program who can help us work the steps by sharing how we have worked or are working these steps in their own lives. Sponsorship is a mutual, confidential relationship, and a sponsor is a person with whom we feel comfortable sharing our entire story. Entire story. Um, a sponsor is also someone to talk to about the personal, lengthy details of our story that may not be a, a appropriate to share at a meeting. No one is required to have a sponsor, 
but it is suggested based upon the experiences of members who find that when they become confused or frustrated, it is most helpful to rely on a, on a person in Esmon who knows them well, their sponsor. Getting a sponsor simply means asking someone who has the recovery you want to be your sponsor. Many members have found it difficult to ask for this kind of help and even more difficult to listen to and apply suggestions that may be offered. Once these initial obstacles are overcome, a sponsor can be a real source of strength and inspiration, whether one is brand new to Esmon or getting a sponsor after years in the program. Newcomers sometimes feel that they shouldn't need help in understanding the principles of the program or that they don't want to bother another member. The truth is that members who sponsor others usually express a lot of gratitude for the experience and feel that they receive far more than they are able to give. I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, so I, uh, I got a sponsor my very first day. I was in a lot of pain. Um, I had a newcomer meeting and I asked somebody immediately to be my sponsor. Um, honestly, because I didn't think I could make it through the next day without having somebody that I could latch on to. Um, and that was, that was hard for me um, because I was the independent, self-sufficient, I could do everything superwoman. I had been that way my whole life. And so asking someone uh, at that point to help me uh, just make it through the next 24 hours um, was my very first experience with humbling myself in this program. And I'm so glad that I did. Um, she, I've had the same sponsor since I started almost two years ago and, um, and she's been there for me through thick and thin. Um, she's even taught me, and I'll talk about this later in the, in the breakout, but she's even taught me that my sponsor and I don't have to be the same person. We don't even have to have all of the same opinions. Um, we're just, we're just here to listen. And that's beautiful to me because I grew up in a family where if you had a differing opinion than somebody else in the household, you were probably going to be rejected or abandoned in some way. So to have that um, has been a blessing to me. Um, a little bit on being a sponsor, because I love what this says. Sponsoring others in the program is one of the most vital and critical tools for growth in Esnon. And I do believe that. In the sponsor-sponsee relationship, we find an opportunity to put into practice all the principles we learn in the program. So in this program, I'm supposed to learn how to be humble and how to listen, uh, two things I didn't do very well. Um, I'm supposed to learn how to set my pride aside, um, how to take suggestions, um, also how to set boundaries. Um, and I can tell you that doing all of those things that I just mentioned with my essay are really, really hard. And I have been learning how to do them with my sponsor first because I have a relationship there that is safe where I can practice these things before I take them out into the real world. Um, so that's given me, um, because anybody else that I try to practice these, these things with, especially boundaries, when I try to practice those with unhealthy people in my family, um, it doesn't go so well. So um, so it's, it's a safe space where I get to practice those things and build up my courage in, um, in being a new person. So I'm thankful for that. 
Uh, gifts of this service work include an increased awareness of our higher power, a greater understanding of our convictions and the courage to state them when we need to, enhanced listening skills, and deeper understanding of the steps, to name just a few. While there are no rules about when one can become a sponsor, we have found that members generally are ready for this 12-step service after actively working the SNON program for at least a year, working with a sponsor themselves, and personal completion of step work through at least step five. One's own sponsor can provide guidance on one's readiness to be a sponsor. Experience suggests it is helpful to limit sponsorship to members of one's own gender to avoid potential distractions from our primary purpose. Though our experience, experiences in sponsoring others and reflection on how we have been sponsored, we have come to believe that being a sponsor involves a number of things. It involves focusing on the steps, which I'm going to talk about in a second, continually relying on a higher power and inviting God into the process, uh, sharing our experience, strength, and hope as best we can. Being honest. Encouraging our sponsees' growth. Um, just to name a few. So my experience as far as being a sponsor um, is not very lengthy, probably compared to some people sitting in this room. But I can tell you that um, it, it has helped me more than I think I've been able to help, like that last reading that I did. Um, because I I get to share the things that have been shared with me, kind of like passing them down. Um, it helps me to be humble. It also helps to remind me where I was at one point. Um, and I get the opportunity to extend a hand to somebody who's, who's hurting. And that's what was so graciously given to me. Um, I also... Um, it's interesting for me. I'm really hard on myself. I don't know if any of you guys experienced that in your life, but I'm really, really hard on myself. So I get to be kind and gracious with other people, and it reminds me to be kind and gracious with myself. So sometimes I think when I'm being hard on myself, what would I say to a sponsee in this situation? Oh, well, I would probably be a lot nicer and gracious than I am with myself. So that's something that has, has been a blessing in sponsoring other people. So it reminds me to be gracious. So um, the other tool that I'm going to talk about is step work, which uh, sponsorship and step work, to me, you can't have one without the other. You can't have one without the other. So um, I wouldn't know how to work the steps if I didn't have a sponsor. I would be lost. Um, I love the fact that when I get into the questions that are in our blue book, uh, which we also have at the literature table, um, when I get into those questions and I don't know what something means or uh, I don't know if I'm understanding it correctly or if I'm going quite deep enough, I can call my sponsor. Um, she's got experience, strength, and hope that she can share with me. Um, the beautiful thing my sponsor has also taught me is um, that as far as the step work is concerned, if I'm struggling with something that she has never dealt with or struggled with herself, she usually knows somebody that she can point me toward which is pretty awesome. Um, we are a community, by the way, so that's what we do. Um, we don't all have the exact same experiences, um, but we learn a lot about each other in meetings and, and in phone calls, and we can share that. Um, as far as working the steps, um, I work steps one, two, and three every single day, um, or at least when I'm sane, I work steps one, two, and three every day. Um, that's how I stay sane. 
So, but I love the way that the steps are simplified. I've heard it many a time. And one, two, and three is I can't, he can, I think I'll let him. And I repeat that to myself sometimes multiple times a day. Um, it's a quick reminder that I'm not in control and I don't have to be. Um, working my step four was uh, long, as it is in, with some people, um, but it was thorough. And by the time I got to the end of it, I didn't have any more secrets. And that was the most relieving weight that could have ever been lifted off of me. So um, currently uh, on my step eight, so working, working right along, but um, definitely would recommend using a sponsor to work the steps uh, if you aren't already. I'm sure there's somebody here that you could approach and and um, and get started on those things. I also wanted to mention that we do have a if you're ready to start working your steps, we do have a bundle on the literature table for just that. So it's got our fourth step inventory that we use the blue book. Um, and it's got this little pamphlet and a couple other things. So if you have any questions, meet us there. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you letting me share. Okay, Vicki's going to come talk about uh, using slogans, literature, and tradition. Okay, y'all hear me now? So yeah, I want to talk about the slogans and traditions. Uh, I'm Vicki, Grateful Espanon member. And uh, the traditions are, I have not done a thorough tradition study. Uh, I've dabbled with it and uh, I need to, need to do some more work on that. But I do have some favorites that... Um, that I wanted to, to mention tonight, if I can find them. And uh, I had a month. Guess not. Here we go. Our common tradition one says our common welfare should come first. Personal progress for the greatest number depends on unity. Unity is what's happening here tonight. Unity is what's happening when I make a phone call and I can't get that first or second person, but the third one is the one that really knew what I needed to hear. Um, unity is when the group is coming together and there's uh, there's a there's a leadership, there's a a topic that really is heavy, and our hearts are full, and there's some shares that are really deep and painful, and unity says. There's going to be a few more shares that say this works, that works, this works, that works. And we get back on track because unity is the highs and the lows, not just what the topic was about. So I really love that part of it too. I like all the traditions. There's a few others that are, are, are some favorites. Um, nope. That's not the one I want to talk about. Our public 11, 
says, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need to always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, TV, and films. We need guard with special care the anonymity of all SNN and SA members. I had a real time with a hard time with anonymity. Um, I wanted you to keep mine, but I tell everybody everything. I've been doing that all my life. I had no boundaries. I had no idea what I should or shouldn't say. And so I got called out a few times about why did you say that? Um, and I had no idea that I had crossed those lines. So one of the most important things for me is that this is an anonymous program. And so we don't share anything outside the rooms. And if we have a topic or something that we heard in a meeting or something that we, uh, you know, really like that story, we can share it. But we do not give other people's names or, or their identity whatsoever. Anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us, us to place principles above personalities. That's why there's not any names on this list. You know, all the speakers, all the breakout leaders that you're going to hear this weekend, they're awesome. And it doesn't matter if they are or they're not, because God's in control. And I love the fact that everybody's anonymous. We don't list who served. We don't list who's speaking. We let God take care of it. And I love that part of it. Um, the traditions are awesome. I feel like I've got... So the traditions are awesome. You should study them more than I have. Uh, <laughs> the slogans are my favorite. I'm just, I'm just that kind of person. I am not the deep thinker. Those of you that know me well go, oh yeah, that's right. Um, but I, but I'm, but I love those slogans and I can say them 10 times a day and I need them over and over and over again. And they're on page 12 through 14 in the green book. And, uh, they're listed there and then there's a little excerpt about them. But the slogans, um, this was, this was a little reading, uh, on page 51 says simple solutions. At one of my first meetings, slogans was a topic of discussion. I smugly thought, I can't believe they're really using these cliches. My ap academic values had taught me to think that life's problems had to be solved by complex solutions from deep thinkers. But the more I came to meetings and began working the SNN program, the more I saw the real wisdom in the simple sayings, act as if and keep it simple. They're surprisingly practical and helped me through difficult, emotional, draining situations. Um, the 12 through 14, I, you know, my, my bar book's all marked up because let go and let God, easy does it, first things first, one day at a time, keep it simple, think, progress not perfection, how important is it? Act as if. And I, we'll talk more about that, and I'd love for you all to share your experience, strength, and hope in room 303 afterwards. Uh, 308 is here, 305 is in this hallway, and 303 is down the hall. So uh, I, I just recommend that you, you pick one and, and go there. Uh, let go and let God was my favorite because I knew God could take care of stuff that I couldn't. But about year three or four, I had been saying it so much that I was saying it all the time. And I was, I was saying let go and let God, but I was still in my denial. I was still stuffing it away and still trying to control it. So I was saying let go and let God, 
but I was not doing let go and let God. And so there's times when I need to be reminded of all these tools and use them and call somebody. So I love the slogans. I love the literature. Our conference-approved literature is AA, Al-Anon, SA, and S-Anon. And that's it. There's a lot of good stuff out there to read. But those four pieces of literature have changed my life forever. And um, I know the AA Big Book. I, I, I read that part on self-centeredness. We're self-centered. I'm... I just didn't apply to me. Now, the alcoholic or the sexaholic, absolutely, but not me. But as the years went by, I understood that my controlling and my ducks in a row type thinking or i got to have it my way kind of thinking, that was my self-centeredness all along for 30 years. Well, 51. I came in the program at 51. So, you know, it's hard growing up and growing old at the same time, just saying. Um but it's, but the important thing is, when I have a sponsee, I tell them to read two pages a day in the Green Book and two pages a day in the AA Big Book. And I do that because those books have changed my life. You know, the AA tells me that, you know, we don't regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. it took me a long time for that to be true in my life. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems. When I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with me. And I can't have any peace or serenity until I accept that person, place, or thing as being exactly the way it's supposed to be. And so if I want peace, i got to use the slogans and all these tools that we've talked about. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more in the second hour. So um, I just am so grateful for y'all being here for this program. And um, we'll talk a little bit more about it soon. Thanks. Thanks, Virginia. <laughs> Okay, Bailey's going to come talk about prayer, meditation, and journaling. Hey, I'm Bailey. Ooh, it feels so official with the microphone. Um, so I don't think it's any surprise that prayer, journaling, and meditation are kind of lumped together. Um, for me, journaling is a conversation that I have with myself. Whereas prayer is the conversation I have with my higher power, and then meditation is the conversation my higher power has to me. Um, I'm much better at the first two. I'm not a very good listener. Um, it's really important for me that I, I bookend my day with the spirituality of this program, which means in the mornings I, I start with a gratitude journal, and then I work my way to a reading, and then I do a regular journal. Um, and incorporate prayer. When I first wake up, I always say the third step prayer, but it's always so groggy because I haven't had coffee yet. So I have to kind of ease my way back into prayer. So I'll start with the prayer, and then as I wake, I'll do some, some serious prayers. Um, but journaling, for me, was, was the removal of the denial that I had lived in. And I remember reading that um, denial is like a blanket. If you rip it off, it's cold and uncomfortable. And for me, journaling is the, the slow, slight process of removing that heavy blanket of, that's comfortable for me. Um, you know, I always used to say that, and I still think that, the best attended meetings would probably be at 2 in the morning because so many of us in the first few years can't sleep, see a lot of head nods. <laughs> um, and journaling that kind of in-between time, that 2 in the morning, I can't sleep, I need a meeting, 
I'm going to write it down. Um, I'm going to move on to prayer. I'm going to read something about um, what I had planned to, to say in the breakout session. My first prayer was on the floor of a hotel room in January six years ago. It was one of those snot-to-carpet kind of prayers. I was desperate. I knew without a doubt that I couldn't get through this. It was impossible, too overwhelming. I didn't even know where to start. I was powerless. The prayer was simple. Please, God, help me, help me, help me, help me. I may have said it a thousand times along with a few, I can't do this. My higher power answered through this program. I heard hope. I saw miracles. People cooked for me. I was held. My son played with the toes of Essanon as he learned to crawl. People threw birthday parties for me. I was nurtured. People listened to my anger, sadness, my destroyed self. My prayer was being answered. God was helping me through the people in this program. I would not have received that help nor been open to, to the help had I kept my fears and my helplessness to myself, just as I had always done. For me, prayer is about the combination of truth and vulnerability. So I don't have to just have one form of prayer. I can do whatever kind of prayer feels that combination of vulnerability and truth that I bring to my higher power. So it can be a prayer in the car. It can be artwork. It can be um, an interaction with nature. It can be a thank you. It can be an oh, you know what. It can be any sort of thing. And what's wonderful about this program is that there's no one way to do it. I get to pick and choose from what I hear in the, in the rooms. I get to create whatever else I want that's good for me. Prayer is what's good for me. And um, it's a really amazing tool that I get to have. And there's been so many times that I have asked for my higher power to help me. And my higher power has shown up in ways that I couldn't even imagine. Um, but I think what's also important is that I take the time to listen. And that's where meditation comes in. I'll be honest with you, meditation is something that I've just recently started doing in the last six months or so. It was hard for me to start meditating. That setting my quiet, my brain to quiet was not something that I naturally do. I like the chatter because it kind of takes me away from the things that are going on inside. But um, I asked my sponsor if it was cheating if I did guided meditations, and she said it wasn't. So that's what I've been doing. <laughs> And it helps, but what what also helps is that I create a an environment that's nurturing for me. I have lavender oil. I take a bath. Sometimes I put on Billy Holiday. Sometimes I'll meditate in the sauna and have a good cry, um, which is very cleansing. But meditation is just any form of listening to what my higher power has to say to me. And um, it's amazing what gets revealed when I even take just five minutes out of my day, either in the beginning or the end, or sometime in the middle, to just be quiet. And sometimes things will come to me right in that moment, and a lot of times they'll come to me in my dreams because I usually meditate before bed. And then sometimes they'll come to me throughout the day. But that meditation is that time where I let my higher power speak to me. I remember when I first started this program, I would get creeped out that there was someone in the room. And it, like, it took me a little while to realize it was my higher power in the room with me. I was like, whoa. But that's what meditation is, is inviting my higher power to come sit with me and have a chat. Because otherwise, I'm just going to be doing what I want. Even if I'm praying, even if I'm journaling, if I'm not sitting and being quiet, I'm just going to do what I want. And I think, you know, each day I try to turn my life and my will over to the care of a higher power. And uh, 
Prayer, journaling, and meditation are the action steps. I can turn my life and my will and make that decision a thousand times. If there's nothing that follows that, it's just empty words. And so um, journaling, prayer, and meditation are kind of the, the springboard onto the healing that I've been able to experience. So I'll go more into that. And um, I may have a good cry, but, you know, that's how it goes around here. So thanks. Um, I just wanted to end and say that the tools enable us to work our own program, to come to the end of ourselves, to uh, rely on a higher power, and our lives are changed. Um, On the front of the program, this is where the theme came from. It's from the S.A. White book. We began practicing a positive sobriety, taking the actions of love to improve our relations with others. We were learning how to give, and the measure we gave was the measure we got back. We were finding what none of the substitutes had ever supplied. We were making the real connection. We were home. So, yep. We're close, but instead of a 10-minute break, we're just going to take a five-minute break. You can see where the breakouts are listed in your program there. Um, I do want to invite you to take a picture of this toolbox. Uh, I know that I talked to Sarah about the different things that, that are in this toolbox. She didn't mean for anything to be important, but it's cool that the sponsorship is like a video camera showing the way. It's really cool that carrying the message is a broom spreading it around. You know, step work is that paintbrush that you gotta ha- you gotta cover every everything. I just I know that I'm thinking these things for myself. So if you take a picture of it and have it, you can you can ask God what it, what those things mean to you and remind yourself of it um, as you go through life. I need I need it every day. So enjoy your breakout. Please come back into this room at 8:05. Yeah, it'll be up here. You don't have to do it right now. But come back in here at 8.05 and we'll say a prayer to dismiss. Thanks. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.